1: Welcome to Politics by Faith. Mike Slater. Thanks for being here. If you're new to the podcast, this podcast is about taking the news of the day that makes me anxious. And boy, have we got one today if you have kids, something that will make you anxious, is making you anxious, no question. Uh, And we provide some historical perspective and biblical truth that will hopefully make that anxiety. Go away. That's the goal of the podcast. Because if you're anxious, you're not thinking clearly. You can't. If you're not, if you're anxious, you're not going to sleep. You put your head on the pillow and you're just racing through these things in your mind all night and you don't sleep. This is no good. So I want you to sleep soundly, wake up refreshed, ready to go, take on the day. That's what we're doing here, politics by faith. Uh, and today's episode, we're going to give you some advice that you need, that I need to help your kids. So let's do it. Story of the day. How do I help my kids navigate transgender ideology, which is running rampant everywhere, Slater? Do you know Dylan Mulvaney? Dylan has, your kids too, Dylan has 9 million TikTok followers. He is a he dressing up as a woman. And here he is with the president. This is my 221st
0: day of publicly transitioning. God, and, love you. Uh,
1: hmm. Here is one of the questions he asked the president. Do you
0: think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care?
1: I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. So... Just to be clear, we have the president of the United States of America and the leader of the Democratic Party endorsing transgender ideology in its entirety, legally and morally. The president just celebrated a man saying, this is my two hundred twenty first day of being a woman. Did you ever think that this would be a thing? And I'm telling you, it's everywhere. Schools, of course, Do you know, schools have Uh, what's called a transition closet. So this is where a, a, let's say a boy can go to school wearing boy clothes around his parents, then change clothes at school into girls clothes and then change back before going home and all going by a different name, different pronoun at school. And then the school keeps it off from the parents entirely. So this goes on at schools, not to mention, of course, sex ed and what they're being taught in the classroom. Many churches have embraced transgender ideology. Hospitals, children's hospitals have entire wings of gender affirming care. All of entertainment, of course. And the court systems, this is something that people are not talking about. The court system has embraced this. Judges have training sessions led by gender activists about the importance of taking children away from their parents who do not affirm their gender. In these training sessions, judges are taught that your gender cannot change. You are what you feel you are. And that's the end of the story. And the only recourse is to affirm how you feel through hormones and surgery. And the court system is on board. There's a wonderful, well, wonderful, wonderfully written, but quite horrific article by Abigail Schreier. Uh, the article is called uh, Child Custody's Gender Gauntlet. Let me quote a section. Courts are adopting this view and seeing a child who has a feeling of gender dysphoria as no different from one born with a cleft palate. From this perspective, the only relevant question in a custody dispute involving a transgender identified minor is when will you allow him to get the necessary surgery to fix his body? So it's just, uh, it's just like a cleft pal. Like, well, you got to fix it with surgery. Once a court swallows gender ideology, in other words, judges will believe that the only thing left for a loving parent to do after an adolescent announces a trans identity is shuttle him to the doctors who will alter his body. California has a bill passed a bill that allows children to be literally kidnapped into California if it's to get gender affirming care, which we'll define more in a minute. But if you can, you can kidnap someone if it's for gender affirming care in California, it's SB 107. What it says is California law enforcement is not allowed to work with the law enforcement of another state. So let's say uh, that you got a husband and wife in Texas and they're divorced. And there's a seven-year-old child who's transgender. And the dad has custody. Mom takes the child to California to get hormone blockers. Dad doesn't want any of this stuff, but the mom does. The mom loves RuPaul's Drag Race and thinks that the kid is transgender. Takes the kid illegally. Doesn't have custody of the child. Takes the kid to California to get hormone blockers. California will protect the kidnapper. And you say, oh, that's, uh, that's family. That's another. Okay, let's go next step. Let's say uh, there's a family in Texas. Mom and dad are both against their 12-year-old thinking it's, it's, they're transgender. So a gender activist takes the child from the parents to go get surgery or hormones in California. California law enforcement is not allowed to help with the investigation that would be taking place in Texas that we call kidnapping. <laughs> Anything else that's ridiculous, that's crazy. Okay, I'll I'll give you another one, a true story. California, there's a girl who thinks she's a boy. Her school therapists and principal told her what to say to Child Protective Services to get taken from her home and put into foster care. Now, why would they want to do that? Because in California, a couple of years ago, we passed a bill that says, if you're in foster care, you can get free transgender surgery. So she did. She knew exactly, she was coached, exactly what to say to CPS. CPS took her away from her mother. And the school backed up the child saying, oh, she's being abused at home. She wasn't. The child got surgery paid for by the taxpayers of California because she's in foster care, committed suicide a year later. And they, the activists, everyone in the system, told mom, you killed her because you did not affirm her enough. You think I'm making this up? Here's the mom, Abigail Martinez.
2: She was put in a foster care where, where uh, LGBT uh, rights group was there for her, supporting her, uh, going through the changes, going through uh, Los Angeles Children's Hospital I went at the first meeting, I forgot about that, uh, just to see how are you going to prepare my daughter into all this transition. Oh, she just watched a video about it, and she's going to start the, with the hormones. When I was going to court, I asked the judge to please have a, let my daughter to have another opportunity to have a psych evaluation. And my attorney came back. I remember with the papers slapping, and I go like, what did she say? There is no need for that, because you were against this, and this is going to save your li- your daughter's life. She signed for it in behalf of your sing. Senior- and she's gonna go for it and I said before that I want her to have a psych evaluation there is no way that we can change our the judge uh, mind she already said it and she's gonna go for it
1: so that right there has everything the schools on board the foster care systems on board the state the hospitals on board the court systems on board and it's all this, if you don't do what we say, you are going to kill your daughter. If you don't do, if you don't do what we say, you're, the, you're responsible for your daughter committing suicide.
0: What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not non-partisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are, and it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com.
1: So what's going on here? You heard the mom say, I want a psych evaluation. Why? Why? There are two different worldviews when it comes to this transgender stuff. So let's first. Ideally, you have alignment between your sex, that's your body, and your mind. Your mind, this is what the gender activists will call gender. It's a made-up concept, but gender. But you got your body and your mind. If there is misalignment between these two things, that's called gender dysphoria. The belief used to be, and the conservative belief today, is that if your mind is misaligned with your body, So if if you're a boy, but you feel like you're a girl or you're a girl, but you feel like you're a boy, then we need to take steps to change your mind. That's why the mom wanted a psych evaluation. We need to work on your mind. We need to help your mind understand the reality of your body. The progressive view says that your body is wrong. Your mind is set. Your mind is fixed. Your mind is right. It's your body that's wrong. Like a cleft palate. And that's why there's no need for a psych evaluation. It's the body that needs changing. We're going to change the body to match the mind, to match how you feel. This is where you get the sentence, which would have been completely foreign just a couple years ago, let alone your grandparents' generation. But you get the sentence, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. That's what that is. I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. It's a misalignment between the body and the mind. So that's the transgender ideology. Where does this come from? We could spend forever talking about the history of it. Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? Does a Good Job, going back into John Money and Alfred Kinsey, if you want to know who came up with this concept of gender and all this other nonsense. but That's not what we do here. What we focus on on this podcast is the heart. Where does this come from in the human heart? Been talking about the body and the mind. Let's talk about the heart. So, what's at the root of this? Rebellion. That's it. Listen, there's different groups at play. There's there's the people who feel the gender dysphoria, and my heart breaks for them. You have these activists saying, "Oh, if you feel uncomfortable in your 12 year old body, 12 year old girl, then you could be trans." We're like, well, what girl doesn't feel uncomfortable in her body? I feel for the victims. You have people like your neighbor and everyone in your around you who just go along with it because it's the nice thing to do. And all the experts agree. Yeah, nice, but at the cost of the truth, which we'll get to later. And then you have the activists who are pushing it. Three different groups of people. I think it's important to make that distinction. But the theme over all of it is rebellion. Rebellion was man's first great sin, right? Well, but even before that, rebellion is what made God's highest angel fall into hell. Isaiah 14 talks about Lucifer. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And I love how Lucifer said, said about Lucifer in his heart. You said in your heart, it started in his heart. I will be like the most high. It's a heart issue. Adam and Eve, of course, similar rebellion. God is a God of order. It's everywhere. The planets revolve around the sun perfectly, precisely. We have just the right amount of oxygen in our atmosphere. We have the perfect amount of gravity. If there was too much, we'd be squished. If there was too little gravity, we'd just float off into space. Everything around us from our creator is of order. So God is a God of order and God is the authority we should obey. But instead people say, no, I'm in charge. I know better. I will elevate myself above the most high. I know how things should be done. I know how things should go. I know what I should do. I'm in charge here. And that doesn't lead to order. Of course, that leads to chaos. This rebellion is the root of the upheaval that we see everywhere. This redefining of everything from marriage to uh, authority of teachers and parents and just our elders. Everything's all upside down. And we're told we have to redefine everything to the point of what even is gender? Is there such thing as man and woman? Oh, no, there's 47 different genders. I saw a college student who was asked how many genders are there. And she said an infinite number. Infinite. Everything is upended and then ultimately destroyed. Have you seen these environmentalists lately? Uh, they'll, they'll go to a museum and they'll go to a Monet or some other famous painting and they'll throw a can of tomato sauce on it. And then they glue their hands to the wall to protest climate change or whatever. But the destruction is the the key here. That's what we need to pay attention to the destruction. It's destruction for the sake of destruction. Here's a priceless work of art. I'm going to destroy it. This is the rebellion it comes from the heart In Milton's paradise lost. When Satan is cast down into hell, uh, he tells the angels who came with him to have the courage to never submit to God. That's how he puts it. Have the courage to do your own thing, your own way, never submit to God, have the courage. And then the famous line here at last in hell, we shall be free. It's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. That's what Satan said in in Paradise Lost. The length that people will go to live in rebellion. All right, let's lament for a second here so we can bounce out of it. We've got to fully lament because what is going on? Let's lament and we can jump out of it better. How, first of all, I, I hate that we even have to deal with this. You got kids, whatever age they are, this has already been pushed upon them. Like, what, what is, why, why do we have to be dealing with this? All right. Well, we always got to be dealing with something. Sorry. Right. Uh, let's, if someone wants to go to a drag show, fine. All right. But on our children in school. And now you have kids who are, are trafficked and dressed in drag and put in front of men for tips to dance. What? This is being pushed on our kids like never before. And there's no way to escape it. It's everywhere. We went from never. I mean, did you ever, have you ever heard of a transgender kid? Like to now there'll be an eighth grade class and half the girls are transgender. (laughs) What? This is a social contagion. Like I've never seen. Maybe a similar thing would be like, but not to the numbers. Anorexia in the nineties. Maybe that would be, except back then. If some girl said she was anorexic, no doctor would say, you're right. You are, you are looking a little chubby. All 94 pounds of you. You could lose a few more. No. If some girl was anorexic, we treated her mind. But today with transgender doctors and all of everywhere, meet the person's delusion and say, yes, you're right. You are of the other sex. Yes. Girls can go to, and boys can go to Planned Parenthood. And one visit, one visit, their first visit, get the puberty blockers or hormones that they want. One visit, no parental permission. Hate it. How can so many people be so lost? I mourn for it, and I—it's again, it's two different things. I, I mourn for the people who who have this gender dysphoria. I hate it. Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, and I—I—I I, I, the people who are pushing it. We've taken so many things granted. So many truths granted for so long and they've just been taken from us. Okay. Let's get the truth back. Let's get the truth back. Slater, where's the peace? I'm, I, need it. I need it. We went too deep. We went too deep in the lament. Where's the peace? All right, let's start with some perspective first. First, There's nothing new under the sun. Never. Nothing new under the sun. Deuteronomy 22.5. A woman shall not wear a man's garment nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Okay, the Bible says not to do these things, which means people were doing these things. God did not write this because in the year 2022, there'd be this new phenomenon. No, no. The Bible told men not to wear women's clothes because there were men who were wearing women's clothes.
0: Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: But this episode is really about rebellion. And my main point is, when I say, oh, I'm not rebelling against God. Please, Slater. <laughs> I'm clearly not in rebellion. I'm not murdering anyone, right? I'm good. Look how seriously God takes Rebellion One of my favorite stories Is the story of Azah U-Z-Z-A-H Azah Because it's such a seemingly Silly little issue If I was Azah And this happened to me I'd say God Seriously This That's what the But it's serious to God and rebellion has serious consequences. And so does our rebellion. What's the story of Azah? Uh, background. Ark of the Covenant. So, Ark. Box. Made of acacia wood. Covered in gold. It is made exactly as God told Moses to make it. Inside the Ark are the stone tablets. Uh, the Ten Commandments. This, The Ark of the Covenant was the holiest place on earth. This was the presence of the Lord. It was of the utmost Importance and God said, Don't touch it. If you touch it, you will die. Numbers 415 says, They must not touch the holy things lest they die. Nothing was more important than this Ark of the Covenant. And when David took over as king, it was gone. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't there. Where'd it go? Well, the Philistines had it for a while. We talked about this in the last TV episode. We talked about uh, Dagon. Uh, So the Philistines had it for seven months. It didn't go well. (laughs) They got tumors and many died. So they gave it to the the Levites who opened it up and 50,700 men died. So they gave it to the men of Kirjath-Jarim, who took it to the house of Avinadab. Avinadab. And it was in this guy's house for 20 years. In that 20 years, King Saul was killed, David took over, and David wanted the Ark back. So he's like, where's the Ark? Ah, it's in this guy's house. Now, one last thing about the Ark. God was very specific. At the base of each corner of the box of the Ark was a fixed gold ring. If you have to carry it, you are to slip gold-plated poles through the rings and lift it up and never touch it. And... Any moving of the ark was only to be done by the Levites. And the poles were to be carried on their shoulders. Those were the rules. Now, David said, the the ark's over there. Let's go get it. I want it. We're going to go get it. And he got it his way. He decided, David decided, that's the key. David decided. That's what we should call the podcast. David decided. David decided the quickest way to get the ark back to Jerusalem was to put it on a cart cart. And put it on the the backs of uh, some ox and haul it to Jerusalem. So that's what he did. Avinadab's two sons, Azah and Achio, Azah and Achio. Those are the two sons. They were leading the ox to Jerusalem. On the way, they got a little turbulence, and the ark started to fall. And Azah did what. We would all say it was the right thing to do. He, as the Bible says, took hold of it. So it didn't fall on the ground. He, I imagine, put his arms on it. I'm like, like no, don't fall. Oh, what happened next? Second Samuel 6:7. The Lord's anger burned against Hazza because of his irreverent act. Well, what do you mean if he was oh, held it so it didn't fall over? Therefore, God struck him down and he died there. Beside the Ark of God. What? He was doing the right thing. It was going to fall. He protected it. Well, the Ark wouldn't have been in danger of falling. If they obeyed God in the first place. It was only to be carried by the Levites. And they were to carry it over their shoulders. With poles through the golden rings. On the four corners of the Ark. David did not do it God's way. He did it his way. This is a wonderful story to tell your kids, by the way. To avoid problems later, do it the right way first. And in this case, God said he put the details right there. Now, you may say, well, who cares about the little ringlets and the golden poles or whatever? God cared. He put, the, he put it there. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have mentioned it. But he did mention it. So he cares. And we should, too. So David got mad at God. What was that about? But he eventually figured it out and called for the Levites, told them to go get it. It's in 1 Chronicles 15 13. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. Here's the key line We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. We, that's it, That's the story. We did not inquire to God about how to do it the right way. God is a God of order. We do it our way at our peril. God is a God of truth. Oh, but I feel. Nope. But I just, I got to get the ark back, God. Nope. My way. So what happened? The Levites carried the Ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord and everything was fine. Now still, you may be like, this is very extreme, Slater. Yeah, I know. That's the severity of rebellion to God's order. Don't mess around with it. I recommend we learn a lesson from Azah. And don't even let a little bit of rebellion slide on this or any issue. It's that important. Okay, what's in my control? What's in my control? By the way, I love, thank you for all the emails you send. And I, people have been like, oh, it's you know, it's a great podcast. I love how you break it down into seven parts. I never said I break it down into seven parts. So you, you've picked up on the seven parts. It's awesome. Thank you for that. This is part number six. What's in my control? How do we protect our kids from this? I have three pieces of advice from Josh Glazier. He's the author of uh, Treading Boldly through a pornographic world and Paula Reinhardt, she wrote Sex and the Soul of a Woman. Three pieces of advice for your kids, well, how to raise your kids through this minefield. First, normalize the struggles of growing up. So one of the ways that the activists get to kids is by saying, oh, you're depressed? If you transition, you won't be anymore. Oh, here's your solution, I got your solution. If you feel uncomfortable in your body, If you feel depressed, if you feel left out, if you don't feel accepted among your peers, if you're a boy and girls don't find you attractive, well, you might be transgender. So our job is to make sure our kids know that these struggles are normal. All the things you're feeling awkward around girls or boys or whatever, whatever is age appropriate struggles your kid is going through, those are normal And the answer to them, the solution, is not the latest quick fix fad that the world is giving you. All insecurities you're feeling, body discomfort, social awkwardness, get it. Been there. (laughs) Let your kids know it's normal. Tell them your experience with these same things and how it got better and how transitioning to a different gender whatever, that wasn't the answer. Second thing, celebrate gender differences. Very Politically incorrect today, but in an age appropriate way, make it clear how men and women are different and not, you know, men are pigs and women are catty. Not that, not the negatives, the wonderful, beautiful things that make men and women different, that make mommy and daddy different, that make them complement each other. It's a beautiful design. Remember, he's a God of order. And third, kindness and truth. That's what we referenced briefly earlier. You need both And also in this generation, in that order, kindness and truth. Proverbs 3.3 says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. So trans ideology is framed entirely as be nice, be kind, uh, right? That's what it all is. And that's like, it's a weapon against you. Oh, you're not nice. You're not kind. You're being mean. You must affirm. Don't be mean. If you are, they may kill themselves. Blood will be on your hands. You better be nice. Go along with what we're saying. You see yard signs. It'll say kindness is everything. It's one of the mantras of our world today. And it's not true. Kindness is not everything. Kindness and truth. Kindness when paired with truth. So Proverbs says. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. And Gosh, I just love, I love the Bible so much. It's all there. It's all in there. And the world is, it's close, but far off. So the world's, the world's message of kindness uh, sounds good. Sounds right. Until you see the Bible, kindness and truth. You're like, oh yes, of course. That's obviously better. So Josh makes this point that when you're talking to kids, talking to this generation, well, let me say this. In previous generations, you could have led with the truth and then sprinkled in some kindness later. Today, because this generation is all about being nice and kind, you have to lead with the kindness and then get to the truth. Otherwise, kids will reject it outright as being mean and it's over, you'll get nowhere. So start with the kindness. So Josh gives an example. Uh, you know, your kid may say, oh, this person's transgender in my class, or whatever. Start with the kindness. Oh, I am so sorry to hear about your classmates. Depression here, that's so hard. Oh. Right, see the, the empathy, the kind, right? He needs people who will take the time to, really get to the root of the struggle because, you know, gender transition isn't going to improve how he's feeling with these things. See, there's the truth. So, but you got to, and I just made that up, but you start with the compassion lead to the truth. So three pieces of advice for you as you're raising your kids in this time. First, normalize the struggles of growing up two, celebrate gender differences and God's design. Johnny, come in here. My sweet boy. You want to go to bed? Yeah. Okay, Johnny. How are you? Good. Yeah. Are you a boy? Yeah. Are you a good boy? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a wonderful boy? Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. Do you love them? Yeah. Do you love mommy? Yeah. Do you love daddy? Yeah. Do you love Pooh Bear? Yeah. Do you love Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Oh god. I love you so much. Can I go put you to bed in just like a minute? Yeah. Okay, give me one minute. I'll meet you there and we'll do tickles. Okay. Okay, I love you. Give me a big kiss. I'll be right there, okay? Oh, I love you. Can you close the door? Yeah. Love you, pal. Yep, yep. See you. Final thought to meditate on. Maybe a final piece of advice. Don't be your kid's pal. <laughs> they need a parent to protect them. You got to know who your kids are watching and listening to and hanging around. Monitor their phones. Don't even give them one, but... Know what they're doing. Don't trust them. They're 12. Or even if you do trust them, don't trust other people. Because other people hate you. Truly, other people hate you and your worldview. And they want to take your children away from you. As we heard earlier, sometimes physically and literally. Your job, not as pal, but as parent, is to protect your kids. Now, some people get worked up about this word protection. They're like, well, I don't want to shelter them. I didn't say shelter. I said protect. The goal is to make them stronger so that they can go into the world, but they need the tools to go into the world. Think about it like this. And then I got to get Johnny to bed. You would never throw your younger kids into the woods and say, fend for yourselves. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And someone says, what are you doing? (laughs) They're going to get eaten alive out there. Well, you know, I don't want to shelter them what this won't go well for them. They will die. Your kids will die out there. That is throwing your kids into the internet and public schools without the tools that they need. But that's what we do. We, we, we throw them into, into the internet and public school and we say, well, they'll figure it out. Don't want them to be weird. They need to encounter the world sometime. We'll just, we'll, they'll be fine. No, they don't have the tools. They're 12. Instead of just throwing them into the woods, first you need to teach them how to use a compass, how to read a map, how to make a campfire, how to make a shelter at night, what food you can eat in the woods and what you can't, how to find clean water. You with me? Now your kids will survive the wilderness and they'll enjoy nature. It's the same with sending them out into the world. You got to make sure they're properly equipped and eight-year-olds can't be. On their own. They just can't. 12 year olds can't be. Without you, the adult, the forces against them are much too strong for them. They can't navigate this without your supervision and your protection. I want to encourage you for that. Because the world is telling you to be a hands-off parent. Let them figure it out. Nope. It's up to you. Your kids have plenty of time to navigate the world on their own. You have 18 years of them. Protect and guide them. Raise them. As long as you can by giving them the tools to navigate properly, the right way to think, and the truth. Trans ideology offers a counterfeit version of Christianity. It does, think about it. Trans ideology, it offers kids a new name, a new identity, a new body, and a new loving community. These are things that that Christianity offers. But there's no surgery or pills that are necessary to become a Christian. I'll leave you with this one scripture. Corinthians fourteen thirty three, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. That's our episode today. Thanks for being here. Any constructive criticism, any feedback? Again, if you've made it through 34 minutes, we're friends. I will take it only as iron sharpens iron in the goodness that it is intended slaterradio at gmail.com my boss says why are you giving them your personal email that's risky no 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 you're, we're fine slaterradio at gmail.com any advice or anything that's making you anxious that you want to address here uh, just shoot me a note and please leave a five star review we gotta get to a thousand once you hit a thousand then you're in the big time so if you like this just leave a quick hey it's great it's all gives me a sentence Thanks so much for being here. I'm going to go put my two-year-old to bed. Hopefully you sleep as soundly as he will. See you next time. Politics by faith. Mike Slater.